0: So good to be back in Nosewood again for our second week. Already feels like we've been here ages, isn't it? Is that just me? It's like, it's all, it's like, like we haven't met here for 18 months. It's like it already feels, is, that doesn't seem real, does it? We haven't been here for so long. Anyway, already just so much into the swing of things. But God is good, and God is doing something fresh. And, and that's what I talked about last week. And I just wanted to say some more stuff off the back of that. Is that God wants to continue to do fresh things in our lives and fresh things in us as individuals and fresh things in us as a church family. God is, God is always moving on. He's always moving forward. We looked at, last week, we looked at Isaiah 43, 18 to 21. It says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals, they honor me, the jackals and the, and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I formed myself that they may proclaim my praise amen so Isaiah there is encouraging written thousands of years ago been encouraging us today thousands of years later it's still relevant to us to forget the former things don't dwell on your past and that doesn't mean say stuff in your past might not have been good maybe it hasn't been good or maybe somewhere in between whatever it's been like don't but don't dwell on it because we can get stuck we can get stuck in the past. And obviously, if God's done loads of amazing stuff in your life, and if you're a saved person this morning, God has done amazing stuff in your life. Amen? Everyone agree? You know, even if you're struggling through circumstances, you've got enough to thank God for right there. Amen? That he has saved you and you're on your way to heaven and you're, you're saved and redeemed and forgiven. Amen? There's always be thanking God for that. But what I was just talking about, but don't get stuck in your past. Even if it's been good stuff. Because some, so often it can stop us from moving on. As use that kind of Dan's analogy used about the ship. Because so often it can, it can anchor us and we get stuck somewhere. when when God's wanting to continually move us on and continually move us out into deeper and deeper waters. The kingdom of God is always advancing. That's always God's intention for it. So God wants to do something fresh and new in in your life. God wants to do something fresh and new in in your relationship with him. Amen. And in in the life of the church as well. As we now back to Sunday mornings, we don't want to just go back to kind of, you know, or let's go back to March 2020. that kind of would be nice in one sense wouldn't it pre-COVID, it was never a thing. That would kind of be nice in one way. But we're not we're trying to go back to where we, where we were. Amen? Not that there was anything wrong with what, was, what was God was doing then, obviously. It was all good. God was doing great stuff. But we believe that God's got fresh things. And God is always wanting to do something fresh. It's kind of the, um, uh, I was going to call it a paradox, but God can't be a paradox because he's, he's God. But um, God isn't confused about anything. But it is kind of an interesting thing, isn't it, that God never changes, but he's always doing something new. And it's just a, it's just a reality of who God is, isn't it? You kind of have to wrap your head around it, and you can't really, and that's because it's God, isn't it? <laughs> we can't really wrap our heads around it. Because he, he never, ever changes. Malachi 3 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. He never changes. Jesus said, "Same. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It, it doesn't change. Never changing. But what he does, well, the way he works, is always changing. is always fresh. Amen? He himself isn't changing. Because, you know, we've sung, and God has been ministering to us this morning about how faithful he is. If he was always changing, he wouldn't be faithful, would he? Like you wouldn't be know where you are one minute. I don't know if you've ever had anyone like that in in your life. Don't look at anybody with <laughs> spouses or anything else. But if you ever had anybody in your life and they're constantly changing. Just their mood is just all over the place. Um, you never know from one day to the next, kind of where you're going to kind of be with them. You know, maybe sort of friend that you had or something, and it's it makes life challenging, doesn't it? Because it's like, what, who's that person going to be today? Right? It yeah, does. Don't, so don't look at anybody. <laughs> but, but isn't it great? But God is never ever like that, ever. He doesn't have bad days. He doesn't get out of the bed. He doesn't get out of the bed. You know, wrong side of bed. Well, he doesn't even sleep at all. <laughs> he never never slumbers or sleeps. Psalm 121 says. Anyway, but you know, he's never changing. Amen. He's, all, he's always consistent. He's always totally faithful. And That's why you can completely rely on God. Human beings may let us down. Inevitably, they will. Sometimes we let ourselves down. That's reality. as Well, that's reality because it's because we're humans and we're not we're not perfect. But, but God is perfect and he's a perfect father. He's incapable of letting us down and that's why he's totally faithful and totally trustworthy. Amen. Praise God. So God wants to continue to do something fresh and new in your relationship with him and we, we, uh, we talked about um, just the, the principle of him making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland and how, how, how God just brings life that. how water always brings, brings life and it, the picture that Isaiah uses here. So I want to just talk a little bit more about, about that and about kind of the water of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's refreshing water that God wants to continue to move in our lives. Now, to kind of just, just to use this analogy, I want to talk first about natural water. Natural water. So this stuff is natural, isn't it? Spring, it says it's spring water. <laughs> it's probably out of tap, isn't it? But they say it's spring water. Anyway, who knows? But anyway, but water is an amazing thing, isn't it? It's an incredible thing. One of the, one, all the amazing things God created, loads of them. Um, water is an amazing, amazing thing. This mixture of hydrogen and oxygen, how that makes water, I don't know. I've got that question. I'm not, I'm not a chemist. Um, if you're into chemistry, you might know a bit more about how that works. But hydrogen and oxygen mixed together, and it makes this this, this amazing substance. It's absolutely essential for life, isn't it? Essential for life. We, we can only... there's um, I think it was Annie that was telling me about this. this kind of the rule of three they talk about in, in National Health Service. And that's kind of what you can only go three minutes without air, three days without water, and three weeks without food. Um, so... We we literally we need liquid, don't we? You can only go about three days without drinking this stuff, and it can be in tea and coffee and other stuff as well. So it's not have to be literal pure water, um. Okay. Um, But yeah, but water is an amazing thing, right? It's, it's an incredible thing, and it's absolutely essential for life. It's really interesting. I, I, I get interested. In, I'm very interested in just observing what scientists do, and and the more what scientists try and do and try and find out about. Uh, you know, the origin of us as humans and stuff, the more it just points towards God, it just made, it just, it, I just find it quietly amusing in one sense. The more people kind of look towards stuff, the more it points towards God. And the reason I'm saying that is, is one thing they, they, they're doing, and you might have seen this, is they're, they're looking for water on other planets. And Mars is because our closest planet. Um, it's not close at all. <laughs> it's a long way away, but our closest. Um, they're looking for water on Mars. And the reason they're looking for water on Mars is because they say, well, it's crucial for life. I think that's really, really interesting because I always think, coming from a Christian point of view, I was like, hang on a minute. I thought it's according to science. We're not designed. Well, what do you need water for? I said, surely life could evolve in any, you know, it could evolve in any planet. Why, why would it have to have water? So isn't it interesting? There's a huge contradiction there, isn't there? There's one says, no, no, we're just, we're just we're random. We're, we're evolved. We're an evolved species. And then, then there's the other side. of it. It's like, no, no, we have to have water because that's absolutely essential for all, for all forms of life, isn't it? For plant life, for animal life, for us as humans. It's absolutely essential, isn't it? It's thought it was interesting because they are looking for that. All this is pointing to the fact that we're designed by God. Anyway, <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Anyway. anyway, this is what medical experts say about water, about natural water. It says this, getting enough water every day is important for your health. Drinking water can prevent dehydration, um, which is a condition that can cause unclear thinking. It can re- cause a result in mood change. It can cause your body to overheat, and it can lead to other, other health issues like kidney stones and stuff. So this is what water does. It's actually essential for life. And it's, it's this amazing substance that, that God, uh, God has created, amen. And there's, loads of, there's loads of different things it does, and if you, and oftentimes our body needs more water, is not it? If it's a very in hot climates, if you've been physically active, if you've been exercising, um, if you've got a fever, if you're feeling sick, water is also amazing in all those circumstances, isn't it? For kind of sorting you out and getting you back on track. So I just want to use that analogy of how important natural water is how important spiritual water is. So just like natural water is essential for our natural life, you're going to go more than three days without water, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're certainly going to be in a hospital um, and will have to sort you out. And so just like the natural water is essential for natural life, so the spiritual water, the water of the Holy Spirit, is absolutely essential for spiritual life. Amen? It's absolutely vital. Just like you can't go for days without out uh, spiritual water. if you're going to be everyth- uh, without natural water, if you're going to be effective for God, if you're going to grow in your relationship with Him, if you're going to be refreshed and just continue to just to grow, go into deeper waters, then you need to, the water of God's Holy Spirit. And yeah, if you're going to go f- without it for days and days and days, you're going to cause yourself issues. Right? That's just a reality. You know, Psalm 42 verse one and two says this, he, and he's, the psalmist here is using analogy of an animal of a deer. As the deer pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul, it thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So the psalmist here is just using this analogy of an animal panting for water, is desperate for water in a a, a hot climate. And this is the best description the psalmist could come up with, with how much he longed for God. He was literally thirsting after God. God, I need you. Just like an, an animal needs water, or as a human would need water, as it pants and longs for water... And they were, uh, and, and you know, this is this is obviously always true in the animal kingdom. If you watch like New Forest Ponies and stuff, they'd always try and find water somewhere, will not they? They congregate around water, and that's why they have to hang around rivers and, and streams and, and other stuff. Um, you know, if it's out in the, if it's kind of even if it's like animals out in a desert somewhere, they'll try and find somewhere some sort of oasis, won't they? Because unless they're like a camel, they <laughs> can go a month <laughs> without water. Then most, then the vast majority of animals are going to need to be near water, right? So he's using that analogy. He has a deer pants the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, it pants for you, it'll thirst for you, the living God. Amen? So that was a, the best description he could come up with. You know, on a really hot day, there's nothing more refreshing than water, is it? It's, it's incredible. On a, on a really hot day, not that we have that many because we're in Britain, aren't we? um, especially this summer. Well, it didn't seem to be hot that much at all, was it? Not very often. Um, but anyway, but there's nothing more refreshing, is there, on, on a very hot day, it's just a glass of cold cold water out of, out of fridge or out of a machine or whatever you, whatever you use, right? It's, it's so refreshing, isn't it? Straight away, you start to, you start to, you start to feel better and full of life. So spiritual water is essential for spiritual life. And I want to look particularly this morning at one psalm. It's a psalm of David. And this is Psalm 63, and he says this. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now, the background. The background to this is this is this was written. This is what scholars believe. This was written around the time that King David had fallen out with his son Absalom, or son Absalom had fallen out with him. The better way of saying it. And his son Absalom, um, basically, he wanted the kingdom. Um, it wasn't a great son, and it was causing David a whole load of issues. And basically, he wanted the kingdom for himself. It was complete rebellion against david um and it was not a good situation and it got so serious that david was fearing for his life It was like my son is going to kill me the way he's going to get the kingdom is he, he, he's going to he's going to kill me And there were getting more and more people who were becoming loyal to absalom and and david was was fearing that that he was going to get overthrown so that absalom could become king by force so there's a whole lot of issues going on here and so and because he feared for his life he had literally fled into the desert of judah Desert of Judah, and that's where he literally wrote the psalm. It was literally in a desert. It was this figurative desert. He was literally in a desert when he wrote this. and said, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being, it longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So we're using that same analogy as a deer past a stream of water. God, I thirst after you. I long for you. I need you in this situation. I, I desperately need you. I need your spiritual water, your spiritual life to be with me right now, uh, to, ref- to refresh me. You know, to David, in the situation that he was he was in, it felt like there was no hope. It was, a, it was a horrible, awful situation. You can read about that in Kings and Chronicles, the kind of the whole background to that. You know, his whole family was falling apart. His son son hated him. That's not a good situation. I'm agree, right? Son hated him, wanted to kill him. That's not a good turn of turn of events, right? So his whole family was falling apart. The whole kingdom was potentially going to fall apart. And you remember, David had this. Had, had the responsibility, he knew he'd been chosen by God. And, and you know, and Jesus was going to be, a descendant of David wouldn't have known this at this stage, but Jesus was going to be a descendant of David. And all this kind of thing, he said, it would be on the throne, of, you know, it would be in the, in the line of David, Jesus would be. And you can read that in Matthew chapter one where it lists the whole genealogies and stuff. And, and the city of David is also uh, Bethlehem, which where Jesus was born. there's, there's a of kind of connections, connections there. So, but uh, King David knew that he was God's chosen one you know the story it had been Saul and then Saul kind of had a whole load of issues and and King David is the king that God wanted all along and he was kind of anointed um, amongst all his brothers even his own dad didn't really believe in him his dad Jesse didn't really believe in him and when he got anointed um, by by the prophet Samuel um, even even his own dad got all his brothers apart from David he didn't even think of even getting David and the prophet Samuel said to to Jesse go and get all all your sons and he didn't even bother even getting David (laughs) that's kind of maybe what his dad thought well he's obviously not the right guy but this is—he was a guy that that, that God uh, that God had chosen. You know, famously says there that in in that in that um, you know in that picture when David gets um, anointed, you know, that God doesn't look at the heart. As to God does look at the heart. Sorry, God doesn't look at outward appearance; He looks at the heart. Amen. That's what's looking at the heart of David. Anyway, so so he was the anointed king, uh, being chosen by God Himself. So he's fearing the kingdom was falling apart. He was fearing that Absalom would would, would murder him. It's not a great turn of events, right? He's worried his whole family is going to fall apart. The kingdom is going to fall apart. He, was, he may, may die. His, in fact, his whole life was falling apart. So in this terrible turn of events, which, none of which were his fault, awful turn of events, and now he finds himself in a desert, in a literal desert. Everyone agree that's not a great turn of events, right? It's not a great place to be. So it, was, it literally was as dry and a parched land, not just in a literal sense, but in a figurative sense as well. He felt dry and He felt that God was far from. He was like, God, why is all this happening? What is happening here? What have I done What have I done to deserve this? Anyone ever ask those questions, even in your mind? I think, you know, maybe some situations, or maybe you are right now, and you kind of think, God, what have I done to deserve this? What's all this about, God? But that's exactly, that's exactly where David was in this. You know, but David made some great decisions. You know, it would have been so easy for him just to have a kind of a whole woe is me pity party. I don't have a pity party, right? <laughs> either talk to yourself or someone else you might want to hear it or maybe someone else who maybe doesn't want to hear it but you tell them anyway about all the, ter- all, the, all the terrible things that are going on in your life right never done that but but david could easily have done that but he made some great decisions he made a decision to seek after god to thirst after him i'm in this terrible situation i'm in a literal desert my whole family's falling apart the kingdom's falling apart my son wants son wants to kill me this is not good god what, and I've done nothing to deserve any of this. God, I'm supposed to be your anointed man. What am I doing in this situation? But he made great decisions. Amen? He made a decision to seek after God, to thirst after him. He knew that only God could satisfy him in his time of need. It's like literal water. Natural water would have been great in a situation where in a desert, he knew that he needed a spiritual water. He needed God's refreshing in that situation. Amen? Only God could satisfy. And there's loads of lessons for us in that. Amen? Now, going back to what medical experts and their description of of why we need enough water. It prevents dehydration. And dehydration can cause unclear thinking. It can result in mood change. It can cause our body to overheat. It can lead to health issues. This is why spiritual water, again, is just so, so important. So just like a lack of natural water can can cause confused thinking, a lack of spiritual water can cause confused thinking. The Bible says that that we have the mind of Christ. We need to be renewed. Romans 12, verse 2 says we need to be renewed by the... um, Know, by the freshening in our mind by the renew of our mind amen that god needs to keep on renew our minds day after day after day amen so we so will have clear thinking so we start to see things the way that god sees them that we should be transformed by the renew remember the scripture now probably <laughs> transformed by the renewing of our minds that's romans 12 verse 2 amen but we need that transformation on, on a daily basis amen so we're we same or looking at the situation the same way God looks at them. Because like we can have spiritual dehydration. It's like natural dehydration. If you've ever, if you've ever been like on a really hot day or you've exercised, you just haven't drunk enough, you, you feel terrible, don't you? Like, you need to lie down or you need to sleep or you just feel, you just feel exhausted and, and it can have, cause health issues and all, all sorts. Um, you know, and like I said, it can cause muddled thinking and, and confused thinking. And God wants our thinking to be clear. God doesn't want us to, ask us to ever be spiritually dehydrated. You know, and if we feel spiritually dehydrated, maybe do right now. You just need, need to make a choice. Just got to make a decision. Remember how deep we go in our relationship with God, how far we go out on the boat, as Dan talked about. It's all entirely up to us. Now, that's a rev- uh, my observation as a pastor, as I'm not judging, but this is my observation as a pastor over 10 years, is a lot of people, a lot of Christians, that's, that's a deep revelation to them. But so often, so often as Christians, we can think, well, I, know I could never have a relationship with God like that person's got. I mean, who's ever thought that? Well, I could never be like they. I could never do what they do. I could never preach like that. I could never. Uh, God could never speak to me through that. I could never pray like that. It's rubbish, absolute rubbish. I can't be more blunt than that, really. It's it's a it's a life in the pit of hell. It is because all it is is a, is, is just the devil trying to intimidate you. It's, it's nonsense. Of course, we can have the relationship with them <laughs> and go beyond if that's what if that's what we want. It's entirely up to us. Amen. God wants us to be spiritually healthy, just like again, you know, a lack of natural water will lead to a whole load of health issues. You're probably gonna end up on a I'm no medical expert, you're probably gonna end up on a drip, aren't you? what's so gonna happen to say probably a saline drip. They kind of try and sort you out. That's what in hospital. That's what would happen. And but a lack of spiritual water can cause spiritual health issues. And God wants us to be spiritually healthy. Amen. But we need spiritual water, we need his refreshing water. Amen. We need him moving in our life, we need him changing our thinking. Amen. Just dehydration can result in mood change. God doesn't want us to be all over the place. Amen? Everyone's going very quiet now. But no, I'm serious. But God doesn't want us to be all over the place. You know, not we be one person one minute or one person the next, and it depends what day of the week it is, kind of how we're reacting to a situation, how we're reacting. God doesn't want us to be like that. That's what's so amazing about Jesus, wasn't it? He was just so consistent day after day after day. Even when, uh, even when things were good and all the disciples behind him, and even when things were terrible, disciples have fled people wanted to, people wanted to kill him people hated him and and everything in between jesus was totally consistent he had total self-control in every situation he wouldn't let people intimidate him he wouldn't let people tell him where what he needed to do or where he needed to go he knew what he knew what his mission was he'd always spend time with his father e- every day and would spend as much time as, as he possibly could doing that he wouldn't be intimidated by what other people or other even his own disciples would say that he needed to do like no this is this is where i'm going like are you coming or not this is where i'm going are you coming with me or not? But Jesus was just so consistent. But that's because he completely relied on the Holy Spirit, completely relied on his Father. That spiritual water, a spiritual water refreshing. Amen? So what do we do when we find ourselves, like, like David, we're not going to be in a literal desert, not in Britain, anyway. <laughs> but what we do when we find ourselves in, in a figurative desert, in a dry and parched land? What decisions do we make? Because the decision that God wants to make is the thirst after him and the I'd encourage you to make is a thirst after him. If you feel like you're in a dry and parched land right now, thirst after God. Amen? It may not be naturally what you want to do. It absolutely probably won't be what your soul wants to do. That's a, that's a reality. You know, we have a soul, don't we? a mind, a will, and our emotions. We live in, live in a body, and we have a spirit, which is where the Holy Spirit dwells, right? We're three parts. And, and you know, when you become a Christian, you know, when we're born again, as the Bible describes it, we're spiritually we knew don't we but the spiritual side of us it comes to life it's made perfect it's forgiven and dealt with but the kind of dealing with our soul was an ongoing process and you kind of what the 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 interesting uh um uh, challenges of being a christian of the ch- christian life is that ongoing ongoing battle between your soul and your spirit i wouldn't agree right that's that's basically the challenge of the christian life is, is the ongoing battle between your soul and your spirit basically who's in charge who's the boss who's the boss of your life is, is it the holy spirit or is it your soul because they're going to constantly clash you know on a sunday morning when you think well shall i come to church or not Your always gonna be like no i don't want to do that it's something great on tv some sport i want to watch i want to stay in bed i want more sleep and your spirit will be like hang on a minute you need to be in the presence of god you need to be in the house of god do you know what I mean? that's a constant battle isn't it that's a great example and, and that will just continue to go through life you know when, when temptation comes your way and being tempted isn't a sin but it's just how we how we deal with it you know, when, when we're tempted then you get the almighty battle that goes on between your soul and your and your spirit your spirit knows it's wrong and your soul will be like, oh that sounds good <laughs> that's reality isn't it that's basically that's basically what happens and and that's why, why paul talks about taking thoughts captive so it was happening with even even with jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane. that's exactly what was going on there and in, in, in his struggle and he genuinely was struggling it said he was like sweating drops of blood it was a monumental struggle that was going it was a struggle between his soul and his spirit because his mind his will and emotions did not want to die right? who and who would and obviously, Jesus being Jesus and knowing all things, knew exactly what it was going to look like, how painful it was going to be in a physical sense, and an emotional sense. His mum was going to have to watch him naked on the cross. Going to, he was going to feel that he'd been abandoned by, by his father. As he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, and the weight of responsibility of taking all the weight of sin um, of the world upon himself and all that kind of stuff. And his mind, his will and emotions, he didn't really want to do it. And who, and who would in Jesus' situations, right? And so you had that on, there was, there was a bit of a battle there, wasn't there? But Jesus made great decisions and his spirit, with so thankful that two thousand years later, you know, his spirit won in that battle. As he said, Not mine will be done, Father, but yours, yours be done. Amen. Amen. The time's going very, very quickly. Let's be people that thirst after after God. I just want to just um, finish with this. We're talking about Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman. And just just following on from this, and I'm sure as many of you may know, kind of uh, the history uh, at that time is Jesus Samaritans really did not like each other I mean do not like is probably an understatement <laughs> they couldn't stand they couldn't stand each other but Jesus Jesus uses the parable of the good Samaritan to, 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 to talk about that and how it's, so it's a Samaritan that helps a Jew and illustrating how that's God's heart God's heart for us anyway Jesus Samaritans really didn't like each other they wouldn't even travel through each other's countries they'd try and avoid it Samaritans were trying to avoid going through going through Israel and the other way around they really disliked each other and it's for a whole load of kind of political and religious reasons all kind of stuff anyway so this is recorded in John, John 4. It says this. Uh, Jesus had to, go through, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. That's talk about Joseph. like, Joseph? Joseph an amazing technical dream coat, that Joseph. Uh, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Uh, verse 9 Samaritan woman said to him you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman so even the Samaritan woman at this stage was totally shocked I mean, she didn't know who Jesus was um but was just shocked because a Jew was talking to her especially a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman it's like this is like the ultimate no-no this is, does not happen how can you ask me for a drink and it says in brackets for Jews do not associate with Samaritan Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is asked you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living Waters, we got back to spiritual water, this water brings us life. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to... She, she doesn't get that he's talking about spiritual things here. She thinks he's talking about natural water because they're, they're by a well. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you great our Father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, talking about the water from the well, will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, and she still wasn't getting. He was talking about spiritual stuff here. The woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water, so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water." She still thinks there's like some kind of magical, I don't know, you know, some sort of magical spring water that Jesus has bottled somewhere. I don't know some sort of holy water. It's like if I drink that, I'm never going to be thirsty again. Wow, this sounds amazing. Anyway, so she didn't. She didn't. She wasn't grasping what he was saying. Then the account continues, it's really interesting what happens, what happens next. It's verse 15. we is just read verse 15, but i read that again. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Now Jesus wasn't judged, it's important to say this before we get into the Jesus wasn't anyway judging her here. Okay, but he was he wanted to point some stuff out. Okay. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. It wasn't, it wasn't a lie, it was true. But Jesus knew the reality of the situation. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you ha- now have, so basically the man you're now living with, is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. So Jesus being Jesus knew what was really going on here, and he pointed out the truth of the situation. So basically what's going on here, remember, Jesus isn't judging, but this is just, just the facts of the situation. is this, this woman, she'd had a number of affairs, she'd had a number of husbands, and she was now living with an unmarried man. This is just the facts, right? This is what's happening. And Jesus knew full well. Um, what was going on here and he was just making a really really important point so so what i believe was happening here and the point jesus was making is is that the lady she knew she was spiritually thirsty she knew there was something else she knew there was something else in life she knew there was something else she was looking for but the problem was she was looking in all the wrong places right she thought she was going to find it in in a husband or in men and i kind of you know gone through a number of men as this talks about was 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 kind of looking for that what's going to satisfy what what is it going to be um, I was not finding it there, and that's why she asked this question: Where is this living water? Where can I find this? That she didn't need yet another man in her life. I would agree, right? That's the reality, of the situation. This is the point Jesus is making: You don't need another man; you need me. You don't need another man; you need the son of man. You need the son of man; you need me in your life. I'm who you need. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm going to help sort you out. I'm going to help you get on the right track. I'm going to give you eternal life. But it's all, and I'm the source. It's living water that you desperately need, and you're trying to look in all these other places, but you aren't going to find it because you'll only find it in me. Amen? Praise God. She needed that pure spiritual living water. Only Jesus could give her that and and bring her spiritual satisfaction. Amen? So there's a load of lessons for us in this. Is that nothing else in life, and even good things in life, nothing else in life can bring the spiritual life like Jesus does. Your friendships can't bring it. Your spouse can't bring it. Your children can't bring it. Your job can't bring it. Money can't bring it. Having a house can't bring it. Having a great car can't bring it. And not—I'm not saying any of those things are terrible. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but can they bring you spiritual life? Absolutely not. And if we're trying to find spiritual life in those things, then we're going to we're going to miss out, and we're on the wrong track. Just like this, lady was who wanted the finest, satisfying water but was looking in all the wrong places. Jesus, like, you need me. Here I am. You need me. And it goes on to say she has. She then understands that he's he's a Messiah. And if you read further in John four, she basically just goes around the town and just telling everyone, basically, I found the Messiah. And she has a revelation of who who Jesus is, and her life is transformed. and praise God for that. So it's a challenge for us. Do we ever look in the wrong places? So if we find ourselves in this kind of desert place, just like King David was, do we make great decisions? So we say, what are we going to do? Are we going to have a pity party, or are we going to thirst after God, long after God, knowing only he can satisfy? Only he can bring satisfaction in a situation. Only he can bring life in a situation. Only he can bring hope in his situation. And the challenge from that second part from the, with, the, with the Samaritan woman is do we ever look in the wrong places? And no one's judging anybody this morning, but it's just a, just a reality. Do we ever look in the wrong places? Thinking, well, this will satisfy. If I have a bigger car, if I have a bigger house, if I, if I live in this place, if I have a much better job, then suddenly I'm going to find spiritual life. Now, none of those things are wrong. Aiming for those things is great. Awesome. And God, that's supposed to believe stand with you that God's going to bless you in those. But are they going to give you spiritual life? Absolutely not. Right? I agree. So let's make sure we're always looking in the right place, and the only right place is Jesus. Amen. Myself and Wendy, we often talk about. Talk about this as, as pastors. You know, we we want to help people pastorally as much as we can when people come to us. But, but it's also important to say that me and Wendy are not the answer to your problems. Everyone <laughs> thinks, yeah, I know that. No. But, but we are not the answer to your problems. Our goal or our job is to point you towards Jesus. Jesus is the answer to your problems. All we're here as pastors, when we, when we pastorally meet with people and, and counsel people, cetera, is just to point you towards Jesus and your need of Jesus. May never agree. That's what, that's what we're here to do. We are not the answer. If, you, if we are the answer, you've got problems, right? But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, you see, amen. when. But the reality is Jesus is the answer, amen? So Do we ever look in the wrong places? Let's keep our eyes focused in the right place. Maybe you're struggling with some stuff right now, and you kind of think, I just, just, I just, just need a satisfaction in life. I need to know that I'm filled. I need to know that I'm going in the right direction. I need to find hope in this situation. Well, you're only going to find it in Jesus. It means making a great decision like David. God, I'm going to thirst and I'm going to long after you. I know I need the spiritual water. And, and stop looking in the wrong places. I'm trying to find satisfaction elsewhere because it's never, it's never going to work. Amen. Whatever your situation, Jesus is the answer. He's amazing spiritual water, living water of life. He, he just wants to fill you with that and bring you satisfaction, to bring you, bring you hope, to bring you refreshing. Remember, he's doing a new thing. He makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He wants to bring life where, where there's been death. He wants to bring hope where there's been no hope. Amen. That's just the way Jesus Jesus works. What a great God we have. Let's all stand this morning. Thank you, God. God, you're so good. You're so, so good. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's here. Lord God, you know what's going on in our lives, everything that's ever happened, what's going on right now, everything that ever will happen. Lord God, you, you know us intimate, intimately, that every hair on our head is, is numbered. Lord, you know us so, so well and so intimately, Lord God. That's the reality, Lord God. And you know what every, every person's situation, Lord God. Lord, every single person here, Lord, including me, Lord, including Wendy, Lord, we all need you. Lord, that's the reality, Lord, and we, Lord, that's our hearts hearts cry, and our hearts desire. Lord, this, this morning, Lord, we say, Lord, we need you. We don't want to look elsewhere. We don't want to think we're going to try and find satisfaction somewhere else. We don't want to look at what the world has and think, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's there. Maybe that's where I'll find life, Lord. We will only find life in you. Lord, and Lord, and if you feel dry or parched or anyone here feels spiritually dehydrated, Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning that they make a great decision just to long after you and thirst after you. Because you always promise, Lord, that you will, Lord, you'll give us the desires of our heart. Lord, you will refresh us with that water. Lord, you will bring us hope in a hopeless situation. You'll bring a joy in a joyless situation. Oh God. You'll give a peace, Lord, in a in a in a storm, O God. Thank you for that, Lord God. Lord, for the refreshing of your Holy Spirit and the way your Holy Spirit works. Lord God, just bring life. Lord, we speak life over people's situations. Lord God, whatever those situations may be, we speak life in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, bring hope, bring joy, bring peace, bring life. In Jesus' name, Lord, that every person here will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, and find their complete hope and their complete trust in you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May everyone this morning, Lord, be so spiritually refreshed. we for what you've already done in the service in, in refreshing us. Lord, just continue to do that. May we carry that into our week. Every, each and every day, That we know the refreshing of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to just give an opportunity for a second prayer, just for anyone here this morning who doesn't yet know God. And you've heard what's been said today and, and, and you know, and heard the songs and heard what Wendy said about how God spoke to her 20, 25 or so years ago. You know, and, you know, God wants you to know him this morning. God wants you to be in a relationship with him. It's, it's God. In the same way the psalmist in the Bible is talking about longing after God, God longs after you. And he paid a huge price. The Bible talks about him, him, Jesus dying on a cross 2,000 years ago. That's just as relevant now as it was at the time that it happened. And, and what it was happening is Jesus was paying the price for our sin. Sin just means anything that's done wrong, or anything that creates a barrier between us and God. And Jesus was dealing with that. He, he, he came to, to remove that barrier so we can have free access to God. We can have the hope of eternal life. And, it, and it's so easy in the sense all we have to do is just accept it. We don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to go to a, confess to a priest. We do to do any of that stuff to accept the reality of what Jesus did on the cross for you and say, God, Jesus, I accept that. I want you in my life. I need you in my life. I need this spiritual living water. Why want not make a great decision this morning like King David did, like the Samaritan woman did, to put hope in this living water? You won't find life anywhere else other than in Jesus. Let's all just pray this together. Well, thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me so that I could be forgiven and made new. I invite you into my life. I want to live for you. I know I can't find life anywhere else. I want to serve you and to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. As all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you, this it's you this morning, you've prayed that prayer, and you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, or maybe you've prayed it as a prayer of recommitment to get things back on track with God, and you know that you've gone off track. Maybe you've been a bit like a Samaritan woman, and you've been looking, looking elsewhere, rather than, rather than looking at the source of life himself, Jesus. And, and Jesus is waiting with open arms, just waiting for you to come back. That's you this morning. I just want you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, I've prayed that. So we'd just love to chat with you and pray with you afterwards. Is there anyone this morning, don't miss your opportunity. God just wants to speak into your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're amazing. You're an amazing, amazing God. Lord, may we know that spiritual life each and every day and minute of our lives. You don't want us to be, to be dry and barren. We don't want to be, you don't want us to be spiritually dehydrated. You don't want us to have spiritual health issues. Lord, we need your life. Refresh us each and every day, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, God is good. Amen. So we're going to close the service there. Um, so if you've got kids and Kids Church or Ignition, well, I think Ignition Kids will be brought out, I think. Um, if you've got kids in Kids Church, please go and collect them straight away. Uh, don't forget to hang around for tea, coffee, biscuits, everything's free. That'll be great just to catch up and, and hang out. And yeah. yeah, and we'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.